0: This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible, and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so the kids were clear they are not sharing their shoes. They are not going to rend those garments this morning, even though the prophet Joel said not to, so they heard Joel clearly. So the question for us is, what do we make of Joel when we hear about rending our hearts uh, and not our garments? But as we go into the text, the Lord's got other things to share with us as well, uh, things that kind of draw us back, that maybe shake us a bit. And so we begin with the Lord in our hearts. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As I was growing up, uh, there was a season where we had Japanese beetles, everywhere. Everywhere. So much so that a company called Bagabug could not sell Bagabug Japanese beetle traps fast enough. Uh, We were running out of their unique special shaped bags that would catch the Japanese beetle, and they'd fall in, and then the beetles were all there. It was so bad, we ran out of bags. We started using like food lion bags, but we thought you needed the specialty bags, right? No, there were so many Japanese beetles, they were coming in so fast We were filling entire grocery bags. You do not want to hold four pounds of moving Japanese beetles in a bag. We did. And it was a dark moment in my life. So I'm sorry I'm reliving it right now. But we did. So we're like trying to get rid of them. And I bring this up because on a moment like that, I realized something was wrong. Like this isn't normal. So if you've read Joel this past week, the start of Joel chapter 1 what the locusts were doing was not normal. I'm sorry, they did not have bag of bug. So they, this was not an option for them. Uh, they didn't have a chance to see this. So as we step back into the prophet Joel, it is about 550, uh, not 500, 850, 800 BC. There's this range where we are sitting in the history of the people of Judah, and they're warned about the locusts that are coming who are ripping up everything. Now what's interesting they're ripping up everything, and this is hard for us to imagine. I was just reading an article in the last couple days uh, about the farmers in the Midwest who are very upset about the floods that most of you forgot about. You're like, oh, the f- yeah, that's- I knew there was something that happened there. They planted how much corn? Yeah, I mean, close to nothing. Like, yeah, so, so problematic, but we don't live that way. How many of you have eaten an ear of corn this weekend or have plans to eat one? And when you ate it, did you think, Oh man, Nebraska. Okay, a couple of you. Others of you thought what? Well, like, yeah, some of you like I had sweeter. Um, It's okay. Maybe it'll get. I mean, just our our mind wasn't there. But for the people of Judah, what happens with the locusts is it's so severe, everything's wiped out. If you got your Bible, open up. This is Joel chapter one, Joel chapter one, verse four and five. Listen to how the prophet describes these locusts coming in. It's not bag of bug. This isn't Japanese beetles. These are locusts wiping out everything. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. And then it changes, and it gets kind of weird for some of us. It says, Awake, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine, because the sweet wine, for it's cut off from your mouth. See, all the party animals in town who weren't even farmers, they're upset now about farms for only one reason. The wine's gone, because the grapes are gone. And sweet wine can be made a little bit faster than some of your stuff that may get aged a little bit. So it's the fact that the stuff that you have to constantly be making, guess what? We're not making it. Now, if you cut off someone's supply of something they really like, they get very, very upset. Uh, was at a a place this past weekend that a gentleman talked about a supply he was running short of and he said, man, I don't want to run out of this because I run out of it. I started getting phone calls and then I got to call the distributor and then we got to find out if we have it. Well, in Joel's case, guess what? They're out of wine and people are, (laughs) you guys are so delicate, Um, you know, upset. Obviously, they're okay. They just, they sent in an email response to support. They were very gracious. They said, it's okay. We understand this is a catastrophe. What did people do? Man, they got ticked fast. They pulled like a 2019. They sent it on social media. Who can believe that they didn't have backup wine? This is terrible. They should have known. You know, and everyone's all set there in Twitter verses, crazy with anger about how the farmers in Judea should have known that this was going to happen. And they weren't prepared for the locust. You only laugh because you're like, I would have sent that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, why didn't they do that? So as we step into it, Joel's describing all these different texts and all these different locusts to remind you there's nothing left. So if you were to think about a locust who cuts off a little bit, well, the others came back so that there's absolutely nothing left to the plants. Complete and utter decimation to what's going on. So this is kind of the rub for us. The rub is, how does this connect here? I mean, kind of the question with any text with Joel as we walk through is, Why does this matter to people gathering in church in Apex, North Carolina, in the start of July in 2019? How many of you saw a plague yesterday? Anyone? How many of you saw, like, one locust, much less, like, 5,000 locusts or a million locusts? Anyone? Yeah, I know. It raises the question, why are we looking here? Pastor, there's got to be a text that's more relevant to today than locusts because I didn't see any yesterday. And you're probably not going to see any tomorrow. So why do we need to hear that? Because what Joel is actually up to is telling people the day of the Lord, when God's actually coming to judge us, is coming soon. And these are little warnings that if you, if you don't listen to what God's doing, it's going to happen. The problem is we get very much lulled into a sense of security and comfort. We create our own comfort so that we're not worried about what's happening because we don't have locusts. And you know what? I have ears of corn this afternoon. And some of you are like, and I have three bottles of wine. (laughs) (laughs) And someone's not going to say it. They're like, I got 20. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. (laughs) But see, that's the problem. We figure we've got it all fixed, which is what Judah thought. They figure the locust didn't matter because this was going to be just some kind of minor thing and we could fix it, all we have to do is elect a new politician to lead Judah next time, and they would be prepared. Because when all else fails, blame the who? Yeah, that's right. You guys should know this. When all else fails, blame the politicians. They're the problem. This must be it. We must have elected the wrong person. That's why we have locusts. They weren't prepared, and they didn't set up barriers to care for locusts, and there weren't, like, locust zoos to care for them. (laughs) There's no such thing as a locust zoo. I know that. Uh, but as we sit there, we get so tamed to realize that there aren't problems. Like, you, you're not really worried right now about the floods. I mean, you're just not. Some of you know about them, but you're not worried about the ones that happened in the Midwest. But there are hostilities in the world today. Joel talks about hostilities. Now, some of you are aware of them. Some of you get way too worried about them. But our nation in Iran, not getting along real well right now. Hong Kong and mainland China, not getting along. I mean, very serious tensions that kind of play out. Is North Korea good with us right now or not? I don't know. And the truth is, I don't think many people know. But you can kind of get worried about these different things. And here's what Joel's doing. He's speaking to a world that has nations that are doing what? Jarring heads with each other. But you sit there going, 800 BC, I'm not worried about Assyria. I'm not worried about uh, anyone. I'm not worried about Egypt. I'm not worried about those different things. I know you're not. But I bet you're worried about Hong Kong and China, or maybe you're worried about Iran, or maybe you're worried about North Korea, or maybe you're worried about Mexico. I don't know. Maybe you're worried about immigrants who are coming across the board. There's lots of things that you can worry about. You guys are all like, I was doing so good this morning, not worrying about any of those things. And then you brought it up. Man, come on, pastor. Sorry. I'm sorry. But I bring them up because Joel's trying to shake people at the point where they're worried. That's what He's doing. Trying to let them know God's bigger than these things that sometimes captivate you. Someone in here is like, man, I can't believe I'm not watching the news right now. When I can finally get out of church, then I can reconnect with what's happened. That's what Joel was trying to do too. Step away from the news for a second and let the Lord speak into what's really happening in all of the world and that God's salvation narrative that's got everybody covered actually is going to take care of us. Do you remember a few weeks ago we read Daniel? Anyone recall we read a book called Daniel? You at least remember that. Okay, do you remember a king named Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, you guys are remembering more than I recall. This is good. All right, so Nebuchadnezzar, when he comes in, is actually speaking to the people, and he talks to them about all the nations being gathered uh, together. Nebuchadnezzar's got this huge pool of people. Now, do you remember what gets Daniel in trouble, right? Some of the advisors to the king had said, hey, you can only pray to the king himself. You couldn't pray to anyone else. And Daniel goes and does what? Daniel goes off and prays. He worships. Daniel worships the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And when he does so, it actually gets him into trouble. But then God, through the prophet Daniel, says, I got bigger eyes. I got eyes for the entire world. I don't have eyes just for Babylon. How many of you like Christmas? Any Christmas likers in here? All right, here we go. Did you ever consider that Daniel actually gets sent into captivity? and he's sent into captivity there in Babylon, that some of the teaching is there in Babylon actually stays. Do you guys know where Babylon is, roughly? Yeah, it's a little bit further east than normally we place most of our Bible stuff. Anybody know people who come from the Orient? We three kings of Orient are. Anyone wonder how it is that these kings of orient are new anything about the promised messiah anyone ever wonder that maybe god had set it in that daniel and others who were there and took that wisdom and knowledge of god that it act- actually did what it took hold and people were hearing it my point is god's not just worried about one nation see on a day where the songs this morning I don't know if you noticed it our attempt in putting songs was realizing he's the god of what the lord of all nations and all people and all races, and God's doing this bigger cosmic thing that some of us aren't comfortable with. Because we really, I mean, because this week, let's be honest, this week was all about what? USA, USA, USA. We're the only nation. Anyone ever been to another nation? Do they exist? Yeah, they do. I love our nation, I do. But it is a neat thing, what I love about being a Christian is, I have lots of friends who are where? You guys should know this. Other nations. And we're actually friends. You can be friends with people from other parts of the world. This is novel for some people. For others, you're like, I mean, that's, some of you are like, I don't need to go further. Uh, we had one lady I knew growing up in church. <laughs> I was told she had never left our county. I, I literally don't even know how that is possible. She had never left the county. When I asked her, she's like, no, nah, you know, didn't need to, there's no need. Family comes to me. I mean, it's just a a different world. But what God's doing in this world is letting us know he's got bigger things. Now, as we go through the text, take a look at where it actually uh, is heading us. It's heading us into a place that to make this change that God's got bigger things, we have to be shaken from the worldview that we can fix everything. See, the idea that tells us if we elect this person, things will get better. That's something that God's trying to shake you from. Here's another one. If the project only follows my plans, then it will work. Or here's another one size. If only the people would do what I want. See, all these things are, if it just happens the way I want, the way I want, the way it's viewed in my mind, my plan, my just all these different things. God's shaking the people in 800 B.C. and says, I already have a plan. But as human beings, what are we doing? All right, God, so I've got this 14-year plan laid out. It's all set, and God's going, 14-year plan, 20-year plan. I already wrote the plan from beginning to end. I am Alpha. I am Omega. I got this. But as human beings, we said, well, that's cool that you got it. Have you read my plan? I mean, we're funny like that. We're very interesting. Joel 2.13, as we talk to the kids, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Can you imagine? This is the return the prophet asks. This is not an excited return. It's a return giving everything to God. Yet even now, return to me with your heart, with fasting, weeping, mourning. Now, if you have no food, no way to provide for your family, nothing to drink, are you guys going to go to worship and be like, God is awesome? I don't know if that struck some of you as you read Joel. But if it didn't, I want it to strike you today. The priests and others asked the people in the midst of not having food, come and gather in worship, and let's get together and pray and sing. Most of you would have said, Sing? I'm going to my Aunt Tabitha. She's got food. She lives over somewhere else in the Mediterranean. We're going down there in Egypt. They got stuff. We're out of here. But God says to his priest, why don't you just calm down and let's go and worship the God who says he's got it all taken care of. How many of you have ever like fretted so much that you said, I can't go to church. I have too much to worry about. Guess what? Joel's a book for you. I'm serious. Joel's writing saying, calm down. God is big enough to handle. No, he's not. I have a crisis. I got to fix it now. Now, if you have an emergency, you need to go to the hospital, please. I don't want you to, my pastor said I should stay, doctor. He said, you know, I, was, I mean, I had this very severe thing, but he said, I'm not suggesting that. But that's normally that's not what keeps you home. You're like, no, I have so much I have to do for work. I, I can't give God time. I can't gather and worship. It, it obviously won't do anything for me. <laughs> God does infinitely more for you in worship than you probably have ever given him credit for in building you up, encouraging you, and caring for you in the midst of the challenge that you have. See, the text continues in the second half of 13 and 14. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not return and relent and leave a blessing behind, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Now, the front half of the verse we looked at in Bible class this morning, you've heard quite a bit, but I want you to focus now on the second half. It's verse 14. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent? Do you guys hear the echo from those men in the fiery furnace? I'm not going to worship your foreign God. It's not going to happen. And my God can save us out of this furnace. But if he doesn't, (laughs) I'm still not worshiping another God. You see right here, the prophet says again, who knows whether he'll turn and relent? There's no guarantee that he's going to do it, but look at this. Who knows, but he may actually stop, that the calamity may not be there, and God may actually turn and leave what? A blessing behind him. Sometimes we're so nervous we don't see the blessings that God has left around us. We're so anxious for what's going on that we don't see, that right in front of our eyes God's doing something new, but it's not what you planned so you don't even see it. We've got to build a green tower. And right behind you, there's this immaculate blue tower being built. But everybody's focused on the green one that isn't being built because there's no green blocks that have been delivered because the green place doesn't have enough blocks for us. But there's a blue one behind that actually says what? Free, use me today. But everybody's looking at the, the green one. We're so worried. We don't see what God is actually doing and what doorways he's opening. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Because guess who couldn't leave drink offerings? The people of Judah. Guess who couldn't leave a grain offering? The people of Judah. They couldn't even leave an offering. They had nothing to give. It'd be like being invited to sing in a choir, but you say something like this, I can't join the choir because I can't sing. (laughs) To which God actually says what? I mean, somewhat joking, but truthfully, I, I don't care whether you actually can sing. I want you to join the choir. I don't have anything to offer the Lord. I wish I had more. You got everything to give. You just think you're, tr- you're worried about giving the thing you don't have. How many of you have something in your life? couple holdouts. I'm a little worried. Some of you are like, it's all I got. Like, I, mean, so, I mean, if you do, that's fine. But we're here to help you up. But just, if you got something... That's something God would allow you to utilize to care for the people in your life, around your life, and to engage that. But you may be sitting at it going, but it's not the thing that I can put in the offering plate. Who said everything the Lord wanted you to offer went in a plate? How silly is that? Do you really think that all God has planned for our congregation can be fit in a small plate? And one of you in there is like, well, yes, because it's money, and money can buy everything. Full? No, it can't. It really can't. Money ever bring back a family member that died? Money ever stop a hurricane? Has it ever stopped one? Money ever stop a tornado? No. Trust me, I know I can do a lot of stuff, but you give it too much power. You really do. Do you know who can stop disaster? The very God that some of us avoid talking to the very God that we avoid engaging, the very God that we say, I'm too busy to go talk to him, I'm too busy to be there, that God can, as the text tells us, who knows, maybe he will not turn and relent. Whether he will not turn and relent, God can do those things. The God we worship here is that vast and that immense. I want you to hear, I'm just going to read an extended uh, sequence here to talk about what God is actually up to. Because the offering isn't the goal. The goal God is after is a changed life. The offering is just fruit. I mean, that's just kind of response stuff. But if people get so hung up uh, on offering, I've had people tell me, I'm really worried, pastor, that you might preach one of those sermons that tell me I have to put more money in the plate. I mean, just for a second, do you ever wonder why people are worried a pastor would do that? I mean, just think, I'm serious. Why are you worried that a pastor might preach a sermon that would tell you to put more in the plate? (laughs) Because you're afraid God might be speaking to You. And if your pastor doesn't say it, well, then you're off the hook. Because, pastor, you were supposed to speak for God. So if I can just convince you not to preach it, I don't have to give it. So when I get to heaven, I can say, hey, don't blame me. But Mike Merker, man, that guy, yeah, he's in for it, man. All right, like all of Jordan, like you guys are all gathered there watching, like he is going to get it. This is really, that's really, that's a bummer for him. All right, anybody got popcorn? I mean, you sit there, and it's humorous now. I mean, do you see the things that we create? We create these little safe places in our minds. But don't be confused. You didn't make them. Satan made them. Satan made these little traps where you can feel safe, and you can convince yourself that it's okay this way. Listen to Joel two fifteen to 17. See, what follows aren't regulations. These aren't rules. It's an embodiment of what the people would look like as God's changing them. Joel 2, 15 to 17. I'm not going to display it on the screen. I just want you to be listening. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep and say... Spare your people, O Lord, and make your heritage your approach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Do you catch what God's up to? It's a cosmic vision of all God's people together. Did you even see what he does when he calls together? So they're in crisis, and they say, bring everybody together, including who? Women who are nursing, which I thought in churches, weren't we told very clearly, like, churches have to have a nursing station, right? We can't can't have nursing mothers actually in worship, right? That's, a, that's not allowed. And it also says children should be in worship, which we can't have that, right? Children have to be away from us. You do catch the sarcasm, right? Like someone online is going to be like, what a terrible church. I mean, honestly, they are really a bad people. So just being clear so they hear. No, but this is a picture that Joel's giving. He has everybody assembled together because God cares about who? The little infant? The young child? The parent? The grandparent? And they should all beware all together listening to God's word because God does stuff when his word is preached. That's what God promises. Have them all together. Spare your people, O Lord. The priests are crying out, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach. Because at that point, Israel and Judah are wondering, hmm, maybe we don't have as much power as we thought, but it's just a fleeting thought for them because they haven't had the collapse yet. That's 75 years later for the northern kingdom and it's more than 150-plus years for the Southern. So they're, they're doing just fine. Our own nation, when people say, what's going to happen to the U.S. into the years to come? Well, guess what? It hasn't happened yet, so... In the words of a terrible film, party on, Garth. I know, a couple of you get it. Some of you are like, terrible film, it's great, Pastor. It's fine. For others, you don't need to trace it down. It's not a great reference. But as we go into Joel... He takes us further in verse 18 and 19. Then the Lord became jealous for his land. See, the Lord turns because he's never given up on you. Never. Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. Remember? Who knows he may turn and relent? Then the Lord had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will make no more make you a reproach among the nations. Everybody was watching. Do you ever realize there's lots of people who are watching Jordan Lutheran Church who have never attended here? They are. They just want to see what type of people we are. They want to see what we do. And don't worry, there's lots of people right now that we put a minor site plan in. They're watching too. They want to see what's happening. And that's fine. I'm encouraged they do. I'd love they'd be here. But I share it because in Joel, the same thing's happening. Who delivers them out of their biggest worry? The Lord did and gave them grain and wine, and oil, and stole back the opportunity from those other nations to say that Israel and Judah were a problem. Instead, Israel and Judah will be raised up to a height they never could have imagined, and God will do that for you and I as well. That's what God does. Behold, I am sending you grain and wine and oil. Today, the Lord speaks to you and draws you back from calamity. You wonder where God is. People say, man, if only God could come to me like he did with Joel. I got good news for you. He does. He comes in his body and his blood. And if some of you say, oh, it's just something pastors say. I want you to consider. I seriously do right now. We believe, teach, and confess that in this meal, we actually take Christ's what? True body and true blood given for the forgiveness of our sins. That the one thing that separates you from the God who made you is sin. And God offers in this meal to fix that and wipe out all your sin. And you actually can do what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what the psalmist writes. Taste and see the Lord is good. That's actually what we do as you take in his body and you drink his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Not just in remembrance. The Lord says, do it in remembrance of me for the forgiveness of your sins. This changes everything. Changes everything. So if you're like, man, if only I could have some like Old Testament in my life. You know, like the good Old Testament, like the delivery Old Testament, not the calamity Old Testament. You do. Every time we gather as the Lord preaches his word and speaks through his word and as he invites us here and as all the children who gather down front are also reminded every time they come we intentionally put the font here so the kids are reminded of their baptisms and you should as well there's a reason why we sing about baptismal birthdays in sunday school some of you are like you do i've never been to sunday school sweet great reminder we have sunday school every morning so if you want to come a little before the service we'd love to plug in need advertisement right you like that yeah because we care about you embracing God's word, because he is embracing you. Joel spoke to the people because he wanted them not to feel alone. God refuses for you to be alone today. May the Lord God who has sent his son, may the Lord God who offered his son, and may the Lord God who raised that son give you strength and peace this day forever and always. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior Jesus Christ every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the Peak of Good Living, Apex, North Carolina.